0: Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our fourth and final part. I hope I can have enough time here to get through it. Um, And it is going to be the first part is going to be about Pastor John Hagee. Okay? And um, this is, and again, I'm sorry, it's, it's the part four for March 23rd, 2014. This first video clip, I've played this a long time ago when I've done my teachings exposing him and um, it's Pastor John Hagee is shockingly telling Jewish audiences that Jesus Christ was not their Messiah. From his book that he's promoting, again, it's always about making money, having to bring out some totally unbiblical supposed new revelation in order to sell a stinking book, okay? Well, this is Pastor John Hagee shockingly telling Jewish audiences that Jesus Christ was not their Messiah, and um it's pretty clear when you hear it. Okay, so this is a literal advertisement for this book, I mean, that came out years ago. And, um, I mean, it's not like he's trying to hide it, okay? This is how, out of, straight from the horse's mouth, advertising this specific book, it's only a minute. But, boy, you're going to hear a real earful in this one minute here. So I'm going to let him, uh, good old um, false pastor John Hagee, do all the talking,
1: I'm delighted to present my latest book, In Defense of Israel. This book will expose the sins of the fathers and the vicious abuse of the Jewish people. In Defense of Israel will shape Christian theology. It scripturally proves that the Jewish people as a whole did not reject Jesus as Messiah. (laughs)
0: So the Jews didn't reject Jesus as the Messiah, as the whole. Okay, we're going to look at that in the Bible. What's the next point?
1: It will also prove that Jesus did not come to earth to be the Messiah.
0: So, Jesus didn't come to earth to be the Messiah. <laughs> I mean, this is just unbelievable right out of the gate. This devil's admitting to this. Anyway, let's go further.
1: It will prove that there was a Calvary conspiracy between Rome, the high priest, and Herod to execute Jesus as an insurrectionist too dangerous to live. Since Jesus refused by word and deed to claim to be the Messiah...
0: So Jesus refused to be the the Jew's Messiah is what he's saying.
1: How can the Jews be blamed for rejecting what was never offered?
0: So the Jews are to blame for nothing. In other words, he's trying to take the Jews totally off the hook for them. Listen, when the Jews said, give us Barabbas, let his blood be upon us and our children... Um, unfortunately, they brought a curse on themselves that has really persisted to this very day and you look at all of the things they've had to endure since then you know in the Jerusalem falling in seventy a d and then and them being exiled and and driven from pillar to post in the Holocaust of Hitler and a lot of other things that have happened to them it's no question that they have suffered um And since they uttered those words. Now, does that mean I'm against the Jews? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that this is what happened. And I've done a whole teaching on this called essentially the reason for the the Jews' affliction that I think I'm going to give you a link to here coming up here. Or you can just go up to uh, contendingfortruth.com and probably if you can, the word affliction, you'll find it.
1: Read it in the shocking expose in defense of Israel. This latest book by Pastor John Hagee is destined to generate lively discussions among Christians the world over. It's
0: a lively discussion among Christians, and you can get at the time you can get your your uh, the, his book for fourteen dollars and five dollars uh, shipping and handling for the soft cover. And um, so he's trying to peddle this satanic garbage, and um, we're going to address what good old Pastor John Hagee said there right out of his own mouth. Now I've already done a teaching exposing this book, and uh, it's entitled, Pastor Hagee Denies Jesus Christ as Messiah, and I think this is also the teaching that, I, this is um, a multi-part teaching, and I got into the reason for the Jews' affliction, okay, again, it's not anti-Semitic, I'm just documenting facts of why things have happened to them. And the Bible says blindness in part has happened to the Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. And they literally asked for this blindness to be put upon them when they rejected Jesus over and over and over again. And like when it got to certain points where the um, the, the um, apostles would say, you know, from henceforth I go to the Gentiles because I've been rejected by the Jews so many times. Now, were the original apostles Jewish? Yes. Were there some... Jewish converts, obviously, yes, they were the first Christians, okay? But as a whole, the nation of Israel did reject him as a whole, okay? Not all, but as a whole. So, again, I've gotten into this in many other studies I've done as well. So, um, Pastor John Hagee is now boldly and openly proclaiming that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah or the Christ. The second part of this teaching of this um, is part two of this teaching Uh, is devoted to refuting John Hagee's new book, In Defense of Israel. Meaning, if you click on this link I give you, the first part is going to be, I think you're going to be talking about the, um, I think about the occult architecture of a lot of the Jewish buildings that like Rothschild and them have built over there in Jerusalem. They have a ton to do with a lot of the... the, the law centers and and the court systems and all that stuff over there. It's, It's very much controlled through what you would term with the Bible terms in Revelation as they call themselves Jews, but they are the synagogue of Satan. So this teaching, the second part, will be devoted to refuting John Hagee's new book in defense of Israel, in which he relentlessly twists scripture in order to deceive his readers. The net effect is a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, he's preaching another gospel. Well, then let John Hagee be accursed according to the Bible. Why? Because I don't want to see John Hagee or Mark Blitz take any more people to hell than they've probably already taken. Now understand, we make our own decisions, but these are instruments of Satan that are being put upon this earth now. And yes, yes, can you go to Second Thessalonians and say, yeah, but this is part of God's will. Why? Because the Bible says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So yes, it's part of the end time delusion. It is part of the end time apostasy, which is the falling away where the Bible also says in that same chapter, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that there will be a falling away or an apostasy of the church and that wicked, capital W, meaning the Antichrist, will be revealed. So we are right on the cusp of the Antichrist being revealed because the apostasy is obviously in full swing. Okay, so um, so the, the net effect of good old John Hagee's book is a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some exact quotes from his book read, quote, Page 138 of this book of John Hagee. Jesus refused to produce a sign because it was not the Father's will nor his to be Messiah. Jesus went around everywhere doing miracles. He went around everywhere. When they would come to him in that one instance and said, we need you to do a sign. That's when he said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign and no sign shall be given unto you but the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That's when he said that. And I mean, that was when, that was after he had already done all kinds of signs. Okay? And it was, it didn't matter. Why did he approach Jesus that way with signs? Because that's the way they were used to being dealt with. When God dealt with them, like when they came out of Egypt, there was like signs and wonders everywhere, you know? Pillars, smoke by day, fire by night, they, they, they ate manna that fell out of heaven every night, doves and stuff. It was like, it was like miracles galore everywhere you look. That's how God had dealt with Israel for a long time. Okay? But it finally got to the point where Jesus wanted them to have faith and not faith in signs and wonders. And that's when He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. That's why all this garbage would like the Catholic Church and all of these other cults that seek after signs and miracles. And oh, there's a statue of Mary and she's bleeding out from her eyes. And there's a a picture of of Paul and it's got oil oozing out of it. And all these garbage signs and satanic wonders and all of these things that they have with the Catholic Church and a lot of other cult religions. Listen, if they're not pointing you to the Lord Jesus Christ, they are a devil just trying to deceive you. Period. That's all it is. Okay? So, he has the audacity to say, Jesus refused to produce a sign because it was not the Father's will. Now, this is after he'd already done umpteen miracles, and a ton of those I bet aren't even documented in the Bible, because the Bible says at the end of one of the books that if you were to try to write all the things that Jesus did in, in all of the Gospels... You know, like there's not a book that could contain it. So we only saw a, I really believe, a small fraction of what Jesus Christ did on earth. Okay? So to say he didn't produce a sign is so stupid. We did more miracles than, by far, than anyone else in the Bible, times who knows how many. Okay? So, (laughs) Jesus refused to produce a sign because it was not the Father's will, nor his to be the Messiah. It's like the exact opposite of what happened in Scripture. Okay? And he's saying evidently it didn't happen. I mean, it's laughable. It really is. Here's the next quote from page uh, 140. The Jews were not rejecting Jesus as Messiah. It was Jesus who was refusing to be Messiah to the Jews. (laughs) Oh, my word. I could have swore that the Bible says in John 1, 1, 1, 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He, meaning Jesus, came to his own and his own, meaning he came born of, you know, Israelite Jewish lineage, okay, through Mary, and he came to his own, the Israelites, and his own received him not. He wanted to be received by them, but they didn't collectively receive him as Messiah. And Hagee, wanting to take the Jews off the hook because he's a Jew worshiper, evidently, and he believes in what they call ethnic salvation, meaning that they're saved, just like Mark Blitz said, where it's pointless to try to um, preach to the Jews. You know, it's it's, it's worthless. Why bother? Because they don't need conversion, essentially. Well, Hagee's doing the same thing here. They're, they're saved just because they're Jews. Ethnic salvation, because of the blood that runs through their vein. That's not what the Bible says. He wanted them to receive him, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them, the born-again believers, he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which the Jews collectively did not do at that time. Now there's coming a day in the near future where one-third of them will do that, According to Zechariah, we're going to look at that in a little bit, okay? So, again, I'm not being any Semitic. I'm just trying to have biblical balance here. That's all I'm saying, okay? I want all the Jews to be saved. I want everybody to be saved. But, unfortunately, that's not reality. There's no Bible for that. So, um, <laughs> okay, Next, next brilliant quote. Page one forty one. They wanted him to be their Messiah, but he flatly refused. <laughs> so the Jews wanted him to be their Messiah collectively as a nation, but he said no. That's why he came here, so so he could say like, dangle the carrot of salvation out in front of the Jews collectively. You know, he was born of, of a of a of a virgin. You know, in a manger, went through all this this trouble to live a life sin-free on the planet, and he's like, psych, he pulls the carrot away at the last minute of salvation, saying, I don't want to be your Messiah. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be. But we want you to be Jesus. Nah, I don't think I'm going to be. That is not the way it happened. That is that the exact opposite of what happened. This guy is a devil. I don't understand how anybody could go to his church with any kind of rudimentary understanding of the word of God, and sit in those pews and let this devil brainwash them. This is unbelievable. Here's the next quote, page 145. Jesus rejected to the last detail the role of Messiah in word or deed. Are you kidding me? You blasphemous, fork-tongued devil from the pit of hell, John Hagee. How dare you say that? Jesus rejected to the last detail the royal Messiah in word and deed. That basically denies what Jesus Christ did here on planet earth as a fit, biblical fulfillment of scripture regarding the coming awaited Messiah. He fulfilled, I think it's over 400 scriptures In the Bible, in the Old Testament, that predicted his return. Okay? I've done teachings on this. The probability of Jesus not being the Christ. All the way down to being born in the town of Bethlehem and all of the other prophecies he fulfilled to the letter. How can this devil say Jesus rejected the last detail of the royal Royal messiah in word or deed? His whole life totally matched the exact biblical things that were expected in word and deed, down to the letter. He fulfilled all of these prophecies. I mean, this is so mind-boggling to even read this now. And I've I've covered this a long time ago, but it's even almost more mind-boggling now. Um, Hagee's own writings condemn him in light of 1 John 2.22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist. He's also accursed. And, and honestly, we need to be praying against devils like this. These men of old who were before old ordained to this condemnation, whose God is their belly, who worship filthy lucre, mammon. This is what their God is. They are all about making money and getting you into hell. I'm telling you, that's what people like this are all about. What did Jesus Christ say when he said he didn't want to be there, he rejected them and all this other... If I started to sit down and do a study of all the ways I could refute this, I could be here all night. But here's just one verse. Jesus Christ said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Which is where, like, you know, basically the zenith of where, you know, the Israelites lived in, 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 in that, where, you know, the temple was... O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. He's basically speaking to Israel here. How often, here's Jesus saying this, how often I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. He wanted to be their Messiah. He came here to be their Messiah, but they would not. They said, crucify him. Give us Barabbas, the murderer. Let Jesus Christ's blood be upon us and our children. That's what they said. Okay? Doesn't mean I hate the Jews. At all. I love them. But I'm just telling you that this is what happened according to the Bible. John Hagee's saying the exact opposite. I mean the polar opposite here. Making my job pretty easy. Matthew, and then the next verse, it says, behold, what did Jesus say then? Ye would not, behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and their house has been left unto them desolate. You look at all the calamities they have suffered since they rejected Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you know, going all the way through Hitler and the Holocaust and all that stuff. John Hagee's words directly contradict the central message of the entire New Testament. Indeed, John Hagee's words directly contradict the fundamental declaration that defines the Christian faith, which is that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ. This is what Peter declared in his first sermon to thousands of his fellow Jews gathered at Pentecost. Acts 2.36 Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Peter declared this in his first sermon to the thousands of his fellow Jews gathered at Pentecost. This was like the first thing they said after Pentecost. After the Holy Spirit had come down and indwelt the believers. Let me read that again. Here's what Peter said to his fellow Jews. Therefore let all the house of Israel, all the house of Israel, he's collectively blaming them, known assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye crucified both Lord and Christ. Pilate didn't even want to do it. But they're like he's like I want to give you Barabbas. Can't you take Barabbas? Or I mean I I I want to give you Jesus. Why do you want Barabbas? They're like no, 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 no. Crucify Jesus. Give us Barabbas. He didn't even want to do it. But evidently not according to John Hagee. It was all a plot by the Romans and stuff to get Jesus crucified. Now could Satan have used them to do that? Sure. But it didn't work out that way. <laughs> I mean, this is like exactly the opposite of what happened in the Bible is what John Hagee's saying. It's so absurd what he's, what he's asserting here. It, 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 the exact polar opposite of scripture. Hagee teaches a heresy known as Zionism. Religious Zionism teaches that God has a separate covenant with Israel and another for the Gentile church. Now, we already examined those verses. There's, in God's eyes, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, barbarian or Scythian. You know, there's, there, there's none of that. We are all one in Christ Jesus through faith in him. Okay, They don't get saved a separate, special way than a Gentile would. The Bible's very, very clear on that. So, but people like John Hagee teach religious Zionism, it teaches God as a separate covenant with Israel and another for the Gentile Church. This is unbiblical and sometimes called du- dual covenant or ethnic salvation, which is basically they're they're saved just because they're Jews, because of their Jewish blood. Hagee stated to the Houston Chronicle that he believes Jews have a special covenant with God and that they do not need to come to the cross for salvation. According to Hagee, Jews don't need to be born again, Mr. Hagee told the Texas newspaper. Same thing that Mark Blitz echoed. Same exact thing. Eh, Why would we preach to the Jews? They don't need salvation. They're they're a privileged class. They can evidently live like the devil, have no faith in Jesus Christ. Eh, They can be atheists. They're still going to heaven. Boy, boy, that's a a real privileged uh, uh, thing there, I tell you. So, According to Hagee, Jews don't need to be born again. Mr. Hagee told the Texas newspaper, quote, I believe that every Jewish person who lives in light of the Torah, here we go again with the Torah, which is the word of God, no, it's part of the word of God, okay, has a relationship with God and will come to redemption. First five books of the Bible, the Torah, okay. So, has a relationship with God and and will come to redemption. Okay, so, again, his quote, I believe that every Jewish person who lives in the light of the Torah, which is the word of God, again, it's only the first five books of the Bible, okay, in the Old Testament, has a relationship with God and will come to redemption. Um, That was Houston Chronicle, April 30th, 1988. But here's an accurate description of God's ultimate plan for the Israelites near the end of the tribulation. Zechariah 13, 8 through 9. I've went into these verses many times. This is basically near the end of the tribulation when this happens. and all the land, in all the land of Israel, essentially is what we're talking about here, two parts therein shall be cut off and die. Two parts of the Jews. That's who they're talking about. They're talking about the Israelites in this context of Zechariah. Okay, Two parts herein shall be cut off, but a third shall be left. So one-third... Of the Israelites will not be cut off. They will not die. Okay. And then the Bible says, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined. Because that's what, that's what, um, this type of hardship will, can do and it will do to a Bible believing Christian. Okay, you can go through the fire, you go through the valleys, and that is where, you know, you, 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 you lay down deep roots. There's nothing that grows up on the mountaintop, but when you go through dark times, when you're in the valley, that's where you grow. And that's why the Bible says that the third part should be left, but they're going to be do so. They're going to have to go through the trial of their faith, which is like going through the fire, okay? I will bring the third part through the fire, it won't be easy, and I will refine them as silver is refined, well, how's silver? Fine. It's heat, super heated and the dross melts off. So it's heated. It's it's heat. It's not fun. If, ever, if any of you have ever been through the valley, you know, it's it can be absolute, total agony. I've been there and I mean, it can be to the point where you're just asking God to kill you. You're in so much agony. I know what that's like. And 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 the Bible says, Of whom the Lord loveth, he also chastise. And if you be without chastisement, then you're bastards. Of whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. I'm sorry. That's like a father can spank his child if they've been bad. Why? Because they're his property. They're his child. He can discipline them. He does it not because he hates them, but because he loves them, and he's trying to get them on the right path. And sometimes um, you have to have things of an adverse nature of a of a very um, sometimes horrific nature in order to get you on track. Sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just you haven't even done anything wrong, but you might need to, you know, something might happen in life and, 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 and the devil um, might take a loved one away or, or, or just say something like that were to happen. And that trial that you go through, Ultimately will bring you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is there's different ways that, that we can go through adversity. It doesn't necessarily all have to be chastisement, like you've done something wrong. It just might be life, you know? It might be just life. Somebody passing away or, 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 you know, I don't know, uh, injury or there's a myriad of different ways that can happen. Anyway, I'm getting way off track there. So, I will bring the third part, the third part of the Israelites that were left, I will bring them through the fire, I will refine them as silver is fine, and I will try them as gold is tried. Which, the Bible refers to that in Revelation 3, where it talks about the trial of our faith, I counsel thee by me, you know, I saw that thou mayest see, and, 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 and that type of thing. Okay, to, to give you the exact quote, this is to the Laodicean church, which is the most apostate church of all the churches mentioned in the first three chapters of Revelation, and um, they are um, actually really chapter 2 and 3. Anyway, they're the most rebuked, and literally this is the most accurate description of the church as a whole in the day and time we're living in. It's also the last church mentioned, which if you're going by any kind of chronological timeline, it would make sense that this is the day and time we're living in. Um, he says the Lord says I counsel this is to the Laodicean church I counsel of thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire which we're just talking about something very similar it's the trial of our faith which is more precious than gold the Bible refers to that earlier is that that thou mayest be rich see true riches is what we're storing up in heaven where the moths and the and the and the bugs and stuff can't get to our true riches okay which are in heaven okay and white raiment, which is like the righteousness of the saints, that thou mayest be clothed, and that thy shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and be zealous therefore, and repent. So this is a admonishment to the lady in church. And I'm not saying this because I think I'm perfect. Okay? Like I've attained or whatever, I've said this many times, if I got what I deserved, i get death and hell. Okay? I don't even know why God puts up with me, personally. Um, but I'm just saying that that's what the Bible says and it kind of relates to this verse in Zechariah that I will bring the third part to the fire and I will refine them as silver is refined and I will try them as gold is tried and they shall call on my name. See, it's after they go through the fire that they shall call on his name because see God can put you in positions through the trial of your faith by fire through what I almost refer to as exquisite agony it's just unbelievable to the point where you think you can't bear it anymore because of the suffering you're under, okay, then they shall call on my name. I know when I went through that, I was like every night for hours on end crying out to God, praying so hard that I would literally start vomiting. I mean, daily, every night. Lost 40 some pounds in like a two month period. Fasted for about 60 days. Out of that two months, no, no, I'm sorry, forty days out of the out of the two months, I, I got a little carried away there. So out of about sixty of those days, I was fasting for about forty. I didn't fast for forty days straight, but I mean, there was a time I did fast for a week, and then I did like oh, one or two times in that time period, three days, no food, no water, and I was working full time as a chiropractor, seeing patients. I was really a mess, okay, and I deserved it. I've I, talked about this in other teachings I've done and stuff. I deserved it. Um, you know, and all I'm saying is that I can kind of relate to this these verses. They shall call on my name after they've been through this fire. Because you get so desperate for God that it's like you you'll do whatever it takes God to take the pain away. I got to the point where I asked God to make the pain worse that I could get through it quicker. I mean, I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying when I was going through this, I said, God, make it worse if I can get through this time quicker because I couldn't function. I couldn't function. I was trying to see patients. I'm trying to be a doctor, you know, and, and on a, I mean, it wasn't a high-volume practice, but we were busy. And it, oh man, it was, it was brutal. It was torture. Oh man, it was bad. And it was just, you know. So, they shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. This is when Israel finally, finally, finally after you know, Jesus after they rejected him at the cross okay, um, you can go all the way back to them of that rejection. Let his blood be upon us and our children. This is where they finally come back. Right here. We flash forward essentially around around 2,000 years, this is where the Jews finally come back. One third that will go through the fire that will be tried as silver and gold, and they're going to finally call on his name, and he will then hear them, okay? And then God will say, I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. The Bible also predicts in those same verses in Zechariah or a little bit before that is that they are going to look upon the one whom they have pierced and they are going to mourn for him as one mourns his only begotten son who else could that be but Jesus Christ and that's in Zechariah before Jesus was even here <laughs> so praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that, that's pretty awesome isn't it, that's another there's a lot of other confirming things in the previous chapters in this. I mean, so I'm kind of isolating the scripture, but if you read those chapters in context, it's clear what we're talking about here. So, anyway, let's go further. The Houston Chronicle newspaper then quoted Hagee's own shocking words. He said, (laughs) this is Houston Chronicle, April 30th, 1988, section 6, page 1, John Hagee says, now this is in the mainstream newspaper, he says, quote, I'm not trying to convert the Jewish people to the Christian faith. That's exactly what Mark Blitz just said. Remember that? Those quotes? Where he said that over and over? I'm not trying to convert the Jews to the Christian faith. They don't need conversion. He says, in fact, trying to convert the Jews is a waste of time. What? Jews already have a covenant with God and that has never been replaced by Christianity. Whoa! What a blasphemous fork-tongued devil! Wow! Wow! Oh, oh man, that is so bad. I would be so afraid God would strike me dead if I said those words and meant them, particularly to the mainstream. But here we have a wolf in sheep's clothing, a hireling with no true love for the sheep, just another example of that a minister of Satan that appears as a minister of righteousness. Here we have... A vessel of wrath, fitted or prepared ahead of time for God's destruction, who were before of old ordained unto this condemnation, according to Jude, right out of his own forked tongue mouth. who Talk about no fear, of God. There. This ends. This this report ends by saying, "I love the Jewish people. I agree, but they will burn in hell as quick as any Gentile who rejects Jesus as their Christ. I agree. Okay." There's no such thing as ethnic salvation here. I mean, if you really truly love the Jews, you're going to want to tell them the truth, right? No, no, no. What's more loving is to placate their conscience, tell them they're saved, tell them they don't need Christ, and then they plunge into hell and find out you lied to them the whole time. That's loving. An eternity in hell and then the lake of fire. Now that's loving. What's love? You know, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Galatians four sixteen. Well, most of the time, you tell somebody the truth, you become their enemy. It's the way it goes. How emails, most common thing I ever get. How do I approach this? How do I go to these people? And you know, this and that. And, and I've been rejected. I'm like, well, that you have to understand that's the norm. Most people don't want truth. You know, uh, pray fast before you go to them. Go in a spirit of meekness. If, if that's the way that you need to go, I mean, that's usually the best approach. Um, but do as the Lord leads. Anyway, for more. For more on the subject, go to, and I give you a link here, a review of the defense of Israel by John Hagee. I give you the link. And then also my teachings on John Hagee. I just scratched the surface. And I give you a link to those. Now, let's end here by going into, now we've looked at good old John Hagee. We've looked at Mark Blitz. We've seen that this is a corrupt stream. This is a fountain that is yielding rotten water. This is a fruit that's bearing rotten fruit. Okay? We've looked at this. We've looked at the fruit. We've looked at the corruptness here. And I'm talking not just minor league um, scripture heirs. We're talking soul, um, hell damning type heirs here. Okay? Taking their congregations to hell. Not minor issues. Why on God's green earth then would you want to buy their books, and to let them be your teacher. You shouldn't even be... Why on God's green earth would God, Almighty, commission these devils, these heretics, these apostates, these wolves in sheep's clothing to all of a sudden bring forth all of this truth that you have to have in order to get through the end times? Well, God's just going to make an exception, you know, because they've proven themselves worthy to Satan, uh, worthy as Satan's little helper, and in trying to get people into hell. So I'm sure God's going to say, just wink at all of that and say, you know what, though, I'm going to let them bring forth the truth on the blood moons thing. I'm going to do that because you know that that's how that's how God does. Th- he never does things that way. He's not going to use a corrupt source to bring forth. All of this this unbelievable information that you can't live without. Oh, wow, another book, another DVD I gotta buy in order to just get through the end times and know the truth biblically when when it's coming from a totally corrupt source? It's common sense. That's all it is. A tree is known by its fruit. Now, let's see... Let's look at this video. 12 minutes of totally refuting the Blood Moon Theory. It was, it's so simple. If you look at this, honestly, I had looked at it. But it's a, it's a video by Chris White. It's, it's amazing. He hit it out of the park. Very, very simplistic. This is not hard to figure out. I'm gonna let him talk because he does a much better job than I'm gonna do. And it's it's when we're done with this 12 minutes, you probably shouldn't have any problems. Understanding that this theory is garbage. Okay? And let's let Chris White talk here. Loading the video.
2: There's been a lot of attention recently about the so-called blood moon theory originally conceived by Mark Bills of El Shadidai Ministries. In fact, as we speak, John Hagee's book, Four Blood Moons, which is basically a retelling of Biltz's theory, sits on top of Amazon's bestseller list.
0: Amazon's bestseller list, good old John Hagee. Okay, so we got Biltz and Hagee, okay, are the main proponents putting this theory out. We've just examined both of them, okay? We both have just examined their fruit. So now we're going to go forth with the whole Blood Moon, Tetrad thing. That's me playing the guitar in the background. I I just don't like to brag.
2: Let me first explain what this theory is for those of you that haven't heard it yet. Joel 2.31 says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. Mark Biltz wondered if this verse could simply be referring to a lunar and solar eclipse. Following his curiosity, he went to the NASA Eclipse website, which has a compiled list of all lunar and solar eclipses dating from 2000 B.C. to 3000 A.D., Using the NASA site, Biltz saw that there were a number of solar and lunar eclipses in the future. The ones he focused in on were the lunar tetrads. This means a series of four lunar eclipses within a space of about two years. Biltz then compared the dates of these tetrads against the Jewish calendar. He discovered that many of these tetrads, as well as other solar eclipses, fall on Jewish feast days. Biltz wondered if such occurrences had happened in the past. He found six occasions in history that the lunar eclipse tetrads have coincided with Jewish feast days. Cross-referencing these dates with Jewish historical events, Biltz claimed the following connections between these tetrads and significant events in Jewish history. For example, he says that the tetrad that occurred in 1493 through 1494 corresponded with the Spanish Inquisition. He says that the tetrad that occurred in 1949 through 1950 corresponded with the 1948 War of Independence. And he says that the tetrad that occurred in 1967 through 1968 ...corresponded with the Six-Day War. Biltz and John Hagee suggest that because, according to this model, significant events in Jewish history have transpired around the time of blood moon tetrads, the upcoming blood moon tetrad of 2014 and 2015 will herald significant events related to biblical prophecy, citing that these eclipses are fulfilling the sun, moon, and star signs in the Bible. The question is, how does this theory bear up against biblical scrutiny and common sense? The answer is, not very good. And the following are just a few reasons why. The first thing we need to critique is that what is being described by Biltz and Hagee is the same thing as what the Bible describes. The Bible speaks of the so-called sun, moon, and star sign several times. Here is an example from Revelation 6:12 through 13 And I beheld, and when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind.
0: Now, before we go anything, the one thing he doesn't say in here, that was one of the first things that popped into my mind about all of this, is the fact that the sixth seal, we're into the Great Tribulation, which is the second part of the Tribulation. This blood moon thing that they're talking about is supposed to occur in 2014-2015. Now, there's so many reasons that this isn't what that is and we're gonna he's gonna explain to you those reasons but the fact yeah. is is that in order for this to happen in order for this to be the sixth seal of Revelation 6 well we've got to be like way in to the tribulation at like over three and a half years into it well the tribulation hasn't even started yet we don't even have World War three which is most likely going to bring about the Antichrist and the false prophet Yet, this would correlate with the sixth seal of Revelation? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever just from that standpoint alone. But there's many others.
2: Also for Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven.
1: Now, that's
0: after the tribulation in this particular case. So, we got the sixth seal... And then we've got Matthew 24, 29, which is immediately afterward. But again, we're dealing with it bare minimum the, um, into the great tribulation, which is, which would be, you know, realistically, if World War three started tomorrow, you would be looking at like around four years. Okay. Or at the end of the tribulation, which would be over seven. Okay. Because the tribulation hasn't even started yet. So, how could any of this correlate with 2014 2015? It doesn't make sense.
2: And the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Examining the full texts about this event show that in addition to the sun and moon going dark, the stars also go dark. The Bible describes this sign as a global darkness that covers the whole planet. Whatever this is, it will not simply make the sun and moon go dark, but also the stars in the sky. This is obviously something more than an eclipse. If I were to guess, it would have to be something in the atmosphere that blocks out the entire sky altogether, or it could be a supernatural event that causes this universal darkness. The only way that Bilds and Hage seem to get around this is by quoting Joel 2.31 most often, because in that verse, only the sun and moon are mentioned. However, if you look 21 verses before this, you will see that Joel also intended his readers to know that the stars would go dim as a result of this event as well. Joel 2.10 says, The earth shall quake before them, the heavens shall tremble, the sun and the moon shall be dark, and the stars shall withdraw their shining. And it's also made crystal clear. So in
0: other words, y- you've got these tetrads, which are these eclipses, but that doesn't even take into account these other scriptures, like in Revelation 6, Matthew 24, and here in Joel 2.10, where the stars also withdraw from their shining. Okay? Okay. Uh, An eclipse doesn't mean all the stars don't shine. Okay, so even from that standpoint, this doesn't line up whatsoever.
2: By God, in Ezekiel 32, 7-8, that universal darkness is what is meant here. It says, And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven, and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon shall not give her light. All the bright lights of heaven will I make dark over thee and set darkness upon the land, saith the Lord God.
0: And this is going to occur at the sixth seal of Revelation, near, you know, sometime into the Great Tribulation, okay, which again would be like, probably at bare minimum four years from now, if the, if World War Three started tomorrow, and or the end of the Tribulation according to Matthew 24. So, <laughs> and the stars are going to fall. I mean, or, or, they're, or they're not going to produce light. So, again, it's, it's 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 just biblically looking at this and seeing that this doesn't make any sense whatsoever, what the, these theories, these these apostates, these wolves in sheep's clothing are putting out in order to make a buck, which is typically always what it comes down to. The love of money is the root of all evil.
2: So, unless Bilton Tenhagi want to try to explain how these eclipses will make all the stars and every other light in the sky dark at the same time, then they should admit that what they're talking about is not the same thing as what
0: the Bible is predicting. It, also- it's like apples and oranges. It, 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 it's not even close, according to Scripture.
2: We also see from the other mentions of this event that it includes an earthquake. And as we've seen, John called it a great earthquake. Joel said, quote, the earth shall quake before them. This is the same problem. This great earthquake is an integral part of the so called sun, moon, and star sign. There is nothing about an eclipse, even four of them, that would cause an earthquake. In addition, it should be obvious to anyone reading the verses that we have quoted that these events occur simultaneously on the same day and at the same time. And it's literally impossible for a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse to occur simultaneously. All you have to do is look at why and how these eclipses occur. And you'll see that that is not a possibility. So, this theory in no way fulfills the biblical sun, moon, and star sign, but perhaps it's just a means of God to warn Israel of coming events. In other words, perhaps, because, according to and Hagee, the last time these tetrads occurred near Jewish holidays, significant things happened to Israel... Perhaps significant
0: things will happen again in two thousand. Okay, so again, what he basically says we okay we've ruled out this is not Revelation six. It's not Matthew twenty four. It doesn't line up with Joel or Ezekiel because you'd have to have for many factors that he's already mentioned. So maybe maybe this tetrad thing is just signs to Israel. So now we're going to just examine that because we've ruled out the other biblically.
2: 2014, 2015. So we are setting aside the idea that this has biblical significance and looking only to see if we should expect this tetrad to be a warning to Israel of some kind, even though it's not about prophecy. The first point, when reviewing the historical accuracy of Biltz's claim that Jewish history seems to converge with lunar eclipse tetrads that fall on Jewish feast days, we find that it's not very accurate at all. So the first thing that we need to do is examine Hagee and Biltz's assertion that these tetrads actually lined up with significant events at all, so often we simply take for granted that this is true, and as we will see, that would be a huge mistake. Did you know that there were actually two other Tetrad events that fell on Jewish holidays that built found in the NASA computers? Well, he did, but he doesn't like to say much about those because, even according to him, nothing significant happened on those two occasions. Right there, that should give us pause. Okay, so how do we know that this upcoming Tetrad in 2014-2015 won't be another dud like the other two that they don't like to mention? Based on these numbers, so far, almost half, almost 50% of these tetrads on Jewish holidays don't mean a thing, even by their own admission. Another point is that the dates of the historical events for which these tetrads supposedly correlate do not seem to correlate very well at all to the dates of the tetrads themselves. For example, the Spanish Inquisition actually started some 15 years before the 1493-94 tetrad and ended roughly 350 years later. They try to give this some credibility by saying that what the tetrad is really connected with is the so-called Alhambra Decree issued on the 31st of March,
0: 1492, which officially expelled the Jews from Spain. But even then, the first eclipse... Now, if you're watching the video, he's actually providing you the timeline to show how really absurd. It's like trying to shove a square peg through a round hole. They're just trying to... Whitewash this and and put this veneer on, which gives it this sense of credibility. But when this is looked at with any kind of uh, of, I mean, if you look at this closely in any way, shape, or form, the theory quickly, quickly, quickly falls apart. I mean, even for the whole just warning to the Jews thing, leave uh, Revelation, um, uh, the the sixth seal of 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 Revelation, and um. Matthew 24 out of it. I mean, in Joel and all these other verses that supposedly this... Okay, we've already ruled those out. It doesn't even bear up under any type of other, other scrutiny which would correlate with these tetrads being some big warning to the Jews. They've just basically, essentially skewed things and made stuff up in order to put out a book or a video. Didn't occur until over a year
2: later. And the last eclipse, over two years later. So, unless you call being off by a year God's way of predicting something, then this isn't a match. The next so-called match is supposed to be when Israel declared its independence in 1948 and won the war for independence the same year. The dates of the 1949-1950 tetrad, again, didn't occur until over a year later and didn't fall on any of the dates of Israel's victories or on the day that the UN recognized them as a state or any other significant date. Trust me, if there was any significance to the actual dates of these tetras, you would have heard about it. But the best they can do is, as we will see in the next one, coming within 10 months of an event. So yeah, the last one they say occurred in conjunction with the Six-Day War. But in reality, it didn't start until 10 months after the war ended. And the last eclipse didn't occur until a full year after that. Again, these three obvious non-matches look even worse when you consider that they have already thrown two sets of historical tetrads in the trash because they couldn't find any historical events to match them with. So, these three represent the best of the best. And that is pretty sad. So, within two years... is So, and
0: again, he's just disproved the other three, essentially. So, I mean, (laughs) this is really bad. But again, this is why we're to show ourselves, you know, study to show thyself approved unto God. You know, uh, you just don't... Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5. That's why we don't just blindly put our trust in a man. Okay? Because ultimately, you put your trust in these men, your heart will ultimately depart from the Lord. Because you're choosing to follow a man instead of the word of God. Instead of sound researching and, 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 and studying yourself to show yourself approved unto God, uh, which is what we're, we're called to do.
2: Enough for them. And nowadays, apparently, close counts not just with horseshoes and hand grenades, but also blood moon theories. If Biltz and Hagee are really suggesting that God uses these tetrads as a means of communicating to Israel about coming events, where were the warnings about the far greater and far worse events that the Jewish people have faced? Why didn't God warn them about the Holocaust or 70 A.D.? or the expulsion from Rome, or the following persecution. What's more interesting to me is what you have to leave out in order to believe this theory. Why did God pick the Spanish Inquisition to warn them about and nothing else? And, if this was a warning, why did it come a year too late for anyone to do anything about it? Furthermore, why are some of the tetrads denoting good events, while others bad events? The Spanish Inquisition, right next to the victory of the Six-Day War. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. The next point. Israel uses a lunar calendar and they base their feast days upon the phases of the moon. Logic would dictate that because of this fact alone, lunar eclipses will fall on Jewish feast days with some regularity. In an article published by Answers in Genesis regarding Biltz's blood moon theory, they commented on the rarity of total lunar eclipses following on Passover and Sukkot in this way. Quote, No, it's really not that unusual. Remember, a lunar eclipse happens only at a full moon. We don't follow a strictly lunar calendar today, but most ancient people, including the Hebrews, did. Their months began with the first appearance of the crescent of the new moon, which is a day or so after the modern definition of a new moon, when the moon and the sun are in longitudinal conjunction. Reckoning from this point, 14 days later, or the 15th of the month, always coincides with a full moon. The article then discusses the frequency in which lunar eclipses fell on Passover and Sukkot, the same feast days as in the blood moon theory. They start off here by mentioning that so far in the 20th century, this has happened 37 times. Quote, We can say that all 37 of these lunar eclipses coincided with Passover or Sukkot. This is about one-sixth, 37 out of 230, of the 20th century lunar eclipses, which is about what we'd expect because Passover and Sukkot happened in two of the 12 months. The relatively high frequency is a result of definition of the 15th day of the month on the lunar calendar. Therefore, again, the coincidence of lunar eclipses with these two observances is more common than Biltz realizes. So, do you understand what they're saying? They're saying that lunar eclipses are so common on these particular Jewish holidays that it's occurred 37 times just in the 20th century. They are so common that Biltz and Hagee have had to essentially say, okay, yeah, eclipses on these Jewish holidays do happen all the time, but how about two eclipses within two years of one another? Oh, that's common too? Well, how about four eclipses within two years of one another? Oh, that's common too? Well, how about we throw two of those away and only look at the other three and twist those a bit? and then we'll have something to write a book about. (laughs) On the whole, the blood-moon theory proposed by Mark Bilt and John Hagee falls short of the biblical standards required for the sun, moon, star, and earthquake sign that's supposed to herald the beginning of the day of the Lord. It fails to demonstrate any real and lasting correlation with Israel's past, and it seems little more than fluff and hype. In conclusion, I actually agree that significant events are on the horizon for Israel, and even possibly of biblical proportions. But to suggest that any significant events which might occur in the next couple of years are in any way related to the Tetrad eclipses of 2014-2015, would be akin to me saying that my team won the Super Bowl because I wore my lucky jersey. Thanks for your time.
0: Oh, I love it. He's way more polished than me. Um, And kinder as well. Uh, Anyway, uh, he hit that one out of the park, I'd have to say. Uh, Twelve minutes, decimated it. Again, and I don't think that was his goal. The goal is, okay, we want sound doctrine. We want to operate in truth, and that is so easily debunked. These whole blood moon tetrad thing, but hey, it's all about making the money. And you know, I go up on um, good old Raiders News Network, and you know, go up there right now. They got sirens going off, and get your free blood moons DVD and book now. And and, and I'm reading right from the the thing. Blood, moon, fever, sweeping America and the world as of April 2014. It's almost here. Sounds like a used car commercial or something. Do these unusual solar and lunar eclipses on Jewish feast days have special meaning? Will the big events affecting Israel occur starting in 2014? What did David Flynn predict? What does Mark Biltz believe? Um, Get the DVD and book free with the book Cauldron for a limited time. So that's their, that's their, uh, wonderful, uh, advertisement there. Now, I've had my dealings with good old Tom Horn many a time. I've done several teachings, and yes, I did go to him before I ever released the first teaching in a spirit of meekness, emailed him, and read the email online that I emailed him that he never responded to regarding not accusations, but things that were just flagrantly put on his website in his, um, you know, right there. I mean, it wasn't like I was making stuff up, okay? I mean, Tom used to be on my email list, he used to correspond with him, but then he started getting in all this really stuff with the Catholic stuff and, and the promotion of all these extra-biblical books and all of these things. And I mean, it was like, whoa, dude. And now you go up there and it's like a free-for-all. I've never seen such advertisements and and just, you know, trying to make money and stuff. It's unbelievable. Well, anyway, I posted my teachings here if you want to avail yourself to them. Uh, The Calvin Doctor Promoting Apocrypha Exposed, Raiders News Network, Tom Horn Warning, and then another one I've done entitled Tom Horn, Raiders News Network. Gary Stearman, David Flynn, who is the other book you get if you order your Blood Moon or Cauldron book. You get a Blood Moon CD. And then David Flynn, who took Sir Isaac Newton, who was a high-level occultist, okay, which he was, and that was in his own writings, a very high-level occultist, and took all of his theories and supposedly figured them out, all of his wicked and corrupt um, occult writings, and turned them into something good that we have to have, again, in order to get through the end times. So I've done certain... I've done teachings on that, um, and um, I am put these up here for... and then other things I've done on this particular subject. So... Uh, I wanted you, wanted to avail those to you as, as well if you are interested there. Now, um, let's go further. Okay, so let's just end here. I'm almost out of time and it's entitled Four Blood Moon Tetrad Frenzy. I'm just going to skim through this because most of this has already been covered. Um, okay, actually I already just did cover that. This is just a little more verification on the whole Blood Moon thing. Um, People forget that that not only the sun and the moon would turn dark at the same time, but the stars will also fall from the sky. He, Chris Chris addressed that as well. And the blood moon theory doesn't address that. The, fall, the, the star, stars falling from the sky. Also, getting fixated on just some lunar eclipses is a waste of time, although I do think that 2014 we will see troubles. And I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm not saying there are going to be major, major cataclysmic things happen in this year, in, in these coming years. People are selling books now with this distorted prediction that the rapture will happen all based on what the moon is doing. So I guess that's thrown in there too, that the rapture is going to somehow coincide with these blood moons. They are ignoring the fact that there is no predicted solar eclipse or meteor shower expected at the same time. Meteor shower meaning the the stars falling from the heavens, like you could be construed as that. Um, uh, These things do not coincide this is a diagram of John Hagee's The Coming Four Blood Moons, and he gives some some specific information here from NASA that you can click on these links to um, see that the solar eclipse of 3-2015 will be seen in the Western Hemisphere only and will not be seen in Israel. Okay, In other words, it's going to be like a regional eclipse. Um, It's not going to be all over the world. And then a lunar eclipse is not due until April 4th, 2015, which is two weeks later. Okay, so they're saying this is all going to happen at the same time. Okay, but understand, a lunar and a solar eclipse cannot happen at the same time. You have to understand eclipse geometry. There is no natural way a solar and a lunar eclipse can happen at the same time. The sun and the moon are on the same side of the earth for a solar eclipse and the opposite sides of the earth for a lunar eclipse. So the sun and the moon need time to get into position for their own eclipse, which is why they're two weeks apart. So it takes time to travel into positions. Okay, so if the sun and the moon were blotted out, you could not have a solar and a lunar eclipse at the same time. It would have to be something different than that, doing that, okay? And here's solar eclipse geometry and lunar eclipse geometry. There's a, there's a literal picture that shows you here what has to happen for a lunar and a solar eclipse. So that can't happen either. There's so many ways this is, this can be debunked. So Taylor asks, well, what could it be? Oh, I'm, I'm like, well, regarding the sixth seal of revelation, obviously that's something the Lord's permitting to happen. You know, and at the end of the tribulation, obviously, something the Lord can blot out the sun and the moon and the stars. That's no problem. (laughs) No problem. He created the universe. He can blot these things out. But to say that they're going to happen with a lunar and a solar eclipse at the same time, the sun and the moon, that can't happen at the same time. It's impossible. So, again, just one more reason that the theory is just, you know, really absurd. Actually, so I wanted. I've had a lot of people request that I do this. We looked at both the source and the fruit of the sources for these theories. Okay, Biltz and Hagee. Okay, we looked at some of. of the, you know, they're trying to enrich themselves with this. They're trying to get us fixated on these things. And again, it's so much of what it comes down to with the whole Christian bookstore mentality thing of you gotta buy this book and you gotta do this. About the only thing I point anybody to anymore is the King James Bible. You know, I'm not saying there's not so there's not good writings out there and stuff like that, but there's so many ways you can get distracted with all of these other things and books. And you have to look at the source. If these people are 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 apostates and heretics like Bilt and Hagee are, why would you want to follow them in any way, shape, or form. Why would you give them space, no, not for an hour, as the Bible talks about in Galatians. We're not supposed to give reprobates and heretics space for an hour. To, I mean, listen, you don't want to go into Jehovah Witnesses' house as a baby Christian like I did and let him brainwash you with their pre-selected... Verses out of their New World Translation under their territory. You don't want to go sit in a heretic's church, a wolf in sheep's clothing's church because there's spirits that will start to act upon you because you've given them place. Because you've taken your body and you've put it in there on, on the enemy's battleground and you're just basically letting them brainwash you. And remember, there's devils and spiritual forces at work here. So this is why you don't want to do that. Okay, I've been there, done it. And, and, and it's easy to get off track. You don't want to give the devil space, no, not for an hour. So that's all I have for today. I'm, oh, I'm just about out of time. So I'll go ahead and end in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, this time you've given us. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray, God, you bless my listeners, the body of Christ Lord, the, the innocent, the, the orphans, the widows, the, the homeless, Lord God, I pray to God that their souls, that all these in the, in the world, Lord, that are being persecuted, even if they're, Lord, if they're Christians or not, I just pray, God, you bless them, that you save them, that you provide for them, that you deliver them, that you give them food to eat and water to drink and shelter, that you would show them the love of Jesus Christ so that they could be converted, Lord, and to get saved and 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 that your name would be glorified through them and through the body of Christ and that many would be led to the Lord as a result of your efforts. I pray God against these wicked apostate heretics that are trying to lead these their congregations essentially Lord into hell is what it really boils down to and all these false religious systems that are trying to lead their adherents to hell. And I just pray to God in the name of Jesus Christ they be exposed. And that, and that you intervene in the lives of these people that, that can be saved, Lord, and that you would save their souls for what you will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance, that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us, um, that we would love our, our brothers and our sisters in Christ and our neighbors, Lord God, as ourselves, and, and that you cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. Um, and, and I just pray that, your name be glorified through the body of Christ. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.